Welcome to the official Legion United podcast with me, Matthew Lewis, and you, Jermaine Beckford. Bex, I hope your internet holds up today, or this is going to be the ramblings of a, a very jet-lagged man, because I am back in the UK for about four days, and I've, I am all over the place, and I'm on hotel Wi-Fi, so it might be my internet that's bad, but how are you feeling, Bex? You all right? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I've been down to the Cotswolds and Shoreditch. Did the Balance Festival, which is a health, wellness and fitness exhibition. How was it? It was brilliant. There were maybe eight or 9,000 people over the course of the Friday, Saturday and Sunday that, that came through and we got an incredible reception. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Some Met some lovely people, made some great contacts. I'm just exhausted. I'm, I'm a bit like you in terms of without the jet lag side of things, I'm exhausted. But I'm great. You know me. I do know you. Bags of energy, sunshine. So obviously it was uh, international break this week, which is boring for all Leeds fans. Um, but <laughs> some of our players did perform very well this weekend. Obviously, uh, Calvin turned out for England in a couple of routes that they had this weekend. Did you watch? Yeah. Did you watch those backs? If I'm honest, I didn't watch them. I didn't watch them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, you missed the 15 goals that we scored yeah I did I did because I expected <laughs> to see 15 goals right. um, so I took my little boy to football training instead um, okay. to watch him score four you know so I'm, I'm oh, okay. that, oh that's good yeah, that was better that was better I enjoyed it what about yourself did you enjoy it did you watch it I watched I watched the first half of the San Marino game um, yeah. I, and it was what was it 6-0 at half time and I yeah. was like yeah I think I think we've wrapped this up here um, still, <laughs> yeah. still waiting for, still waiting for Cal's first first goal. But I think you were saying he's saving it up for the for the real game. He's saving it up for the ones that count. If we're being honest, and I don't like to to talk bad about teams or nations or anything like that. But I'm I'm pretty sure we could we could find you know 15, 16 players to put up a good fight and probably come off with less of a uh, loss than than what we saw. <laughs> well, in other in other players' games, um, mm. in slightly more, I don't know, competitive competitive fixtures. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Um, you've got, you know, uh, Cooper, Liam got a, got an assist um, against Denmark for Scotland. Yep, excellent as well in a two 0 win, um, which was a big game for them. You know, it's that they're one and two in their group, um, and um, Stewie at Northern Ireland they held Italy. Mate, that's that's massive as well. By the way, that was massive. Italy now have to go through the playoffs to qualify for the for the World Cup. Mm. Ouch. Alongside Portugal as well. I think Portugal as yeah, well, if yeah, I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah. Wow. So thank you, Stewie Dallas, for that one. I'll take that. Yeah, buzzing. Thankfully, international break is over and we've got a big game this weekend. Obviously, Harry Kane scoring seven goals in, in two games. Um, how do you think that's going to play out for us playing Spurs this weekend? Uh, I think he's used up all his goals for this year. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping... He has an off day. Obviously, they've got a new manager um, who's going to be demanding the absolute most from them. And he's tried and tested. Conte's tried and tested. We know what he's about. We know he's he's very disciplined. He likes disciplined teams and players to give their absolute all. He likes them to hold their positions and not um, leave spaces and gaps for for them to be exposed. But, you know, it's they're coming up against against us. And we've got an unlimited amount of energy, honesty, work rate, work ethic, you know, and and that team mentality that we stick together through thick and thin, regardless of um, how games are going. So 
to be able to to stick with us for the full 90 minutes is going to be a, a challenge for anybody, but I think it's going to be a big one for these guys. I'm seeing a couple of goals. I reckon we're going to come away 2-1. With with regard to Harry Kane, there is a stat that I wanted to, to, to bring up that I think is absolutely extraordinary. That during the last five game weeks, Leeds have conceded the least amount of big chances and XG in the entire league. Um, which, you know, for, for all of the chat, you know, both last season and this season about our defensive frailties, actually, we are containing teams to very little. And I think, yeah. you know, the seven goals for Kane, and, and, and I'm, I want to ask you this, Bex, as a striker, and the seven goals for Kane against, against, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, not particularly competitive back lines. Does that potentially mean that he's not unprepared, but that it might be a little bit of a shock when he comes up against Leeds United, who are actually defending very, very well? Yeah, it will be. It will be because he's. It, it, it's not been easy for him, but it's been relatively easy. Like he's he's been awarded and afforded a lot more space than he would usually be given in in Premier League games, regardless, let alone against us. So, um, in terms of as a striker, getting your confidence levels back up because we know he's he's not scored many goals this season, um, and a lot of the Spurs fans, especially, are starting to get on his back a little bit because of the whole uh, transfer. Uh, nonsense that happened in the summer. This is this is great for him as a as an individual to get his confidence level uh, levels up. But it's going to be an eye opener when he does come up against a far more physical, far more tactically um, um, disciplined backline. It will be tough, but I think to get the best out of Harry Kane, you can't let Harry Kane drop off, pick the ball up, and be able to turn and find those passes. And follow his run. You can't afford him that that luxury. So if he drops deep to pick the ball up, get right behind him. Put your hand on his back. Let him know he's. Let him know you're there. Don't let him turn because if he if he's able to turn, then you know the whole pitch opens up and the pitch just becomes it becomes massive for him. But again, it's that that energy that we've got, the work rate yeah. and the physicality. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna like it very much. So um, we need to be on our game. We need to be on our A game. But it's not going to be a game that that we're walking into that anybody's expecting us to lose. No, you agreed. Know, we, we've been so good over the last last season and this season. Our performances are getting better and better and better. We're getting key players back. Um, we've got top players hitting form as well. Really good form. So it's it's going to be um it's going to be a, gr- a really really good game for the neutral. Good game, but for for us, I, I I genuinely do. I think we're going to come away victorious. Well then, there you go, everyone. Put your money on 2-1 Leeds. Beck says, put your house on it. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> didn't, didn't do that. <laughs> but but if you me. do, but, but if you do and you win, hey, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> and I get 10%. Um, okay. Well, given the lack of Leeds games, it's no surprise that the moment of the week suggestions, powered of course by, who is it, Bex? Boost drinks. Boost drinks. Um, you've been sending in evolving about the international the, the international games. Um, so Oscar got in touch to suggest his moment of the week was the Melier Alioski loving when they bumped into each other on international duty, which uh, I did personally quite enjoy. I, I, I'll be honest with you. There was a part of that that I absolutely wet myself at as well. Like Melier grabbed Alioski, <laughs> gave him a kiss on the top of his head, and then he went back in because Alioski's hair must have smelt really, really <laughs> nice. And he makes like a really strange sound, doesn't he? He goes, mm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's so French. Mate. I love it. I love it. 
I love I'm, it. I was He's buzzing off that. I watched it like um, 24 times in a row, back to back. <laughs> I love it. Oh, mate, loved um, it. Well, that's, that's you know, straight away, strong favourite. Um, and Sally Sally suggested that Rodrigo turning out for Spain was her moment of the week. She said it was great to see Rodrigo impressing in the substitute appearances for Spain in the last few days. He's enjoying a nice run of form and long may it continue, mm. um, which I also couldn't agree with more. 100%. Now, Rodrigo, for me, is one of those players you could see the quality that he has you can see the energy that he has and you can see that he's his technical ability is brilliant I just feel his fitness levels weren't quite up to scratch and now because he's had that run of games you can see you can see what he's about and this is this is the Rodrigo that we signed so we're seeing it for the for for us but we're also seeing it for the Spain national team as well so I'm I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy for him. He, he's looking he's looking the real deal now, and I just want to see him get in and amongst the goals a little bit more, um, mate, and shoot us up that table. But yeah, I'm I'm buzzing to see that as well. Buzzing. Uh, we've also got honourable mentions for you know Captain Coops uh, for his assist for Scotland and and for Stuart Dallas's performance for Northern Ireland. So of those four, what are you going with, Bex? Oh, mate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree. We're going to give it to Oscar for the Melier Alioski loving. Well then, Oscar, you've just won yourself. Well done, mate. Some boost drinks. <laughs> it's got to be though, really, hasn't it's it? It's got to be absolutely. If you haven't seen it, everyone, get yourself on Twitter, get yourself on on the social media, and find find that little clip. It's 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 heartwarming. It really is. Because um, obviously, there's no Pat and Emma this week, so. We have got none other than Leeds Rhinos legend and huge Leeds United fan and Leeds boy, Jamie Peacock. Holy, How about that? Holy, love that. Yeah, morning, morning, that's right, right? How's it evening for you, Matt? Where are you at with well, it? I'm five hours behind, so what time is it now? It's like, it's nearly 11, so it's about 6am. I'm all right, I'm okay. It's nearly 11, it's closer to half past 10. What are you talking about? Oh, it's half 10. That's all how right. jet lag you are. Well, it's half five for me then, so there you go. That's why I'm so excited. <laughs> Nah, good. I'm good. Great to be on here. Uh, really looking forward to this. Seeing where we go with it. <laughs> yes, this will be interesting. <laughs> you're, you're probably used to being up at the crack of dawn, though, aren't you, JP, for all them old pre-seasons you used to go through and all the rest? Yeah, yeah. Look, we, we were up pretty early in our days <laughs> playing rugby uh, and having a train. And this time of year reminds me, this time of year in November is when all the lads start coming back in. And I think we, I'll mention a little bit, we're having a little chat offline about international duty and I would say that some players in rugby league, right, no secret, would play for some of the lesser nations, so they had to, so they could avoid pre-season training, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we are we naming names, or are we going to keep it like that? Um, I'm not naming any names, but you can work, you can work it out by the countries they play. Yeah, I've got I've got an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, most lads would be back in November, you know, slogging it up round the hill, having to run up that hill on a Saturday morning, you know, sideways ice raincoat, shouting it. Coach dressed at the top with a cup of coffee, telling you to get up there as quick as you can. And then <laughs> the other boys who play international, you'd rock in in January, four weeks uh, training and into the season. So I love playing for England, where some lads play for the country because they love missing pre-season. <laughs> <That's two different laughs> is, that, like that. is that why you flew off to Jamaica? Was it Bex? So you get out of pre-season? Did you do the same thing? No, it was all about the climate, mate. All oh, right, okay, yeah. The friendlies are in the Caribbean and South America. Shorts and vest all day long. Can't argue with that. <laughs> Let's uh, dive into the career of our of our renowned guest that we've got on, Jamie Peacock. Um, it's a real pleasure to have you on here, mate. Um, you're a you're a Leeds lad. You grew up in in Bramley, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Bramley. Um, all my life in, in uh, yeah, I listened to the team. 
a few uh, rugby lads come from there, Jamie Jones as well, he's from there. So growing up sort of in and around Leeds, obviously you were you were a rugby man growing up, but um obviously Leeds United, it's a one club city, so so you know you grew up following Leeds United as well. Yeah, that's right. You know, um I, I did play rugby, right? I played rugby for Stanley, but me and my I don't know if you that serious, but me and my mates, you know, every night we would meet up on Bramley Bowling Green and play football on there and get chased off by the old men every night when we were younger. <laughs> so um yeah, I used to do a bit of football at school, uh, you know. Watch Leeds United. I think was, I think really I was thinking about this before I came on 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 this that there's two real periods that stick out for me about uh, Leeds United. The the one is you know the team that obviously won, won the league. That's the time I think when everyone in the city were, were behind them, and I think you know every, everybody wants to support. I remember being in the city square when they came back uh, with the trophy that day, and yeah, I mean they were uh, a big part of kind of myself growing up in, in that respect and. There's a couple of stories around that team, I suppose, for me. One, one is uh, with Vinnie Jones, really, that <laughs> when I was younger, right? Remember when Vinnie Jones had the Vinnie Jones V, right? And, and in his airport, <laughs> he had the V at the back. So I, I've gone to an hairdresser's, uh, not what name, it's not hairdresser's in Bramley, is it? Like, get my hair cut. And, uh, <laughs> and as a kid, like an 11-year-old kid, I've asked, you know, I want the, the Vinnie, Vinnie Jones haircut. And the guy just shaved me all, all my hair off, literally, <laughs> too, everywhere. But there you go, that's the mini Jones. I was devastated in tears. I thought I was going to come out with the V at the back and it came out, come out looking like a, a little fascist. So, like, <laughs> so he's, he's got the mirror, he's showing you back at her, and you just look like a neo Nazi. What have you, what have yeah, you done? Yeah. <laughs> Have you, just, have you gone, yeah, no, it's great, mate. I love it. Yeah, that's what you do, don't you? Yeah, it's great, that. Yeah, brilliant. It. Thanks so much. That's what I came in for. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Probably tipped him as well. Before I'll see you next week for the same again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you mentioned there about, um, you know, open-top bus homecomings to the city with trophies and stuff. Did you ever think at that age... That's going to be me one day. Um, did you? Did you? Did you ever believe? Because I know that you've talked in your autobiography about how you actually faced a lot of adversity. A lot of people sort of told you you weren't good enough. You, you admitted you weren't exactly a natural rugby player, but you always had this kind of work ethic and self belief. Did you look at them and go, "I'm going to be winning trophies one day"? Do you know what? It's a really good question. That and and at that time, I, I would have said no because I was that you know far away from being a professional player. It never really entered my mind, and I, I never really thought. But I, I, I could do that. I mean, the thing that stood out for me, you know, I, it did stand out that even as a young kid, I thought this, this has brought the whole city together. You know, like sport has brought everybody together. And that's the power of sport, isn't it? Certainly as well with Leeds United, with a, a one-team city, right? They're, they're in that rivalry within the city. And, they, and when they're doing well, they, they bring together the, the whole city. And, and, and that kind of stood out for me. You know, my dream as a kid really was they had the scoreboard. I just wanted to see my name on that running out for the Leeds Rhinos. You know, that was a dream of mine to, to do that. Whether I, I could do that, I, 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 you know, I wanted to be able to do it. But I mean, as an 11-year-old, it was a million miles away from me because I thought I was never good enough. I wasn't going to be good enough to do that. So obviously you you didn't go straight to Leeds. We know about that. You went um, off to <coughs> Bradford first. Um, we won't we won't talk a, a, a huge amount about your your career over there. But you were, what year did you come back to Leeds, Rhinos? Then again, like good story behind this is that when I was at the uh, Bulls, you know, probably you know my first team '99, and then over the next kind of four or five years, 
every year there'd be like a, a rumour that I was coming to the Leeds Rhinos and I'd be putting the evening post and my mates would all get it. You know, it's back when people actually bought paper and read it. Then I'd get the text, you know, are you coming over the Rhinos? I went, this is the first I've heard of it. You know, right. I've not heard of anything of this. I don't know whether Gary Everton was doing it, you know, to uh, get one at the, the Bradford Bulls. But nearly every year it was in there. And then beginning of 2005 season, you know, I, I was pretty... Uh, off with the, the way the Bulls were handling things with me. I saw how good the Rhino side was, you know, some great young players coming through there. Met some of them with Great Britain when they were captain in that. And I, and I felt like the time was right to move. I really I really wanted to play for my hometown club. So, you know, January 2005, you're not supposed to sign till June 2005. I signed for, for the Rhinos, you know. I wanted to make that move and then I had to, you know, play all that season with it and then you know, moving uh, 2006 became my, my first year for the club. Did anybody know that you'd sign this? Is it called a pre-contract? Would you call it a pre-contract? Yeah. Did anybody outside know or was it kept in-house between just yourselves and the Rhinos? Yeah, it was kept in-house. And I, I, and what happened that year um, was there was, I reckon there was 10, 11 players who were all off contract that year at the Bulls and, and we're all getting messed about a bit. You know, that's the reason why the Bulls, I think, weren't financially under. And everyone was a bit cagey, you know, about what they were doing and no one would say, oh, you know. And then we were out one night after a game, I reckon June, and I was speaking about three or four of the lads and said, look, I'm off, you know, I'm going at the end of the year. I'm telling you now, you know, keep it to yourself. It's going to come out in a month or so. Uh, just so you know, you know, just so you, you don't sign at the Bulls thinking I'm going to stay there so you can make your own decision from that. And then kind of then like the dominoes fell like three or four. I went, yeah, I'm going there, I'm going there, I'm going there. It was that hard to, to keep it, yeah, because I don't like keeping secrets. You know, I like to be honest with people, but some things like that you just can't, you can't tell people. I remember I had a conversation with, I had a conversation with a coach, actually, Brian Noble, right? We'd just been beat by the, by the Rhinos at Edinburgh. And I come in the next day to speak to him. And he says, what are you doing next year? Have you signed for these? <laughs> and I went, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not signed for him. Right. And he knew I was lying. And I knew that he knew I was lying as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was really awkward. And I just walked out. <laughs> well, the, the reason I asked on the year is because the Rhinos golden generation, you know, you talked about the players that you're going to join, you know, Kev Sinfield, Rob Burrow, Jamie Jones, um, all, all Danny Maguire, those guys, um, that, you know, 2004, when they first won the, the grand final um, in this generation, it coincided with kind of the, the downfall, the, the period of, of dark years for Leeds United. Um, and so, you know, you talk about trying to bring the, the, the city together did you ever feel, you know, as a Leeds lad, a degree of responsibility at the Rhinos that you wanted to bring some kind of community spirit and, and uh, success back to a city that unfortunately the football team had, had fallen on, on hard times at that, at that era? Yeah, great question. You know, you know what? I've never been asked that before. Um, and my, my view would be yes. You know, I thought, I, I, I think when you're in a sports team and you represent a city and you, and you play for that city, it's your duty to play the best you can for it and represent your city the best possible way. And I, and I think for me, I'm proud of being from Leeds, you know, I'm proud of playing for Leeds. And I think the bad news stories that were coming out of Leeds United at the time, you, you know, around the players, what, what they've been up to and also the, the way the club had been successful, but it was built on sand and was falling to pieces. It, it felt like we were a good news story. Uh, for the city uh, by winning uh, and being successful. And I think we, we at that period, kept Leeds on the map. And I think as well, you know, I, I think people who were maybe neutrals in rugby league or sport began an affinity with Leeds and the, and the Rhinos off the back of that. 
uh, with that. So for me, I, I found it usually important to do that. And I think you do represent your city when doing it. I mean, I don't want to mention Bradford, but, you know, when, when we played for Bradford, we were, um, I think we represented the city really well. I think we were a really positive light in some difficult times for Bradford, you know, when they had the riots and things like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not the same, com- you know, same level of context for the Rhinos and United, but I think we, we were um, a, a, a beacon, you know, that goes out to the nation and says, you know what, look, Leeds has got some good things going on here as well. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think it, it was, it was necessary to have that, that in there and, and and now you know with Leeds United back on back on the map again, I, I I just it's so fantastic to have two really successful teams in in the city uh, in two different sports. Yeah, I love it. You know, so many people are friends outside Leeds and just love the fact you know Leeds United are back in there. Um, you know, all around the country, they think, they think it's great. They're the team that everybody wanted back, right, in the Premiership, and uh, it's great to see them in there. And it's, you know what I love about it? I just love the way the team play. I, I love it, you know, that they just mm. give their all the outwork and try and out-compete everybody, and they might make up for a lack of talent compared to some of... Uh, they're all talented, right, but there's some, <laughs> some high-level talent, best, you know, league in the world. And I think I think it's great for kids to see that through Leeds United, Leeds United are a team where a coach... He gets the absolute best out of them, those players. You know, I, I don't know the technical details of football, but I know enough when I watch a game that I love it because I, I see a side giving their all and really care about playing for the club and they, they want to do the best uh, for the club and for the city and for the coach. And I think that's why they're so popular at the moment because I think that resonates with fans. You know, when you when you earn, you know, three, four, five hundred pounds a week and you go watch Leeds United, who are on, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand a week, you want them to give you best. And I think you see that with Leeds United. Yeah, working hard. That's it. That's key. Yeah. Do you know what? Moving slightly back towards the rugby side of things, obviously you've been known as as like one of the toughest guys in in rugby, full stop. Who was the toughest person you came up against? I told you I'm going off on one a little bit here as well. Who was the toughest opponent you came up against? You just want the blood and guts, don't you, Bex? That's all you're interested in. I do. I, <laughs> I want to see gore. That's what I want. <laughs> There's a few in, in that category I, I put in there. I think I'll probably, I'll, I'll highlight three players. Um, the, the first one would be Adrian Morley. You know, Adrian, Adrian Morley, uh, for me, you know, was an idol of mine growing up. He's only a couple of years older than me, but... You know, he's the guy who uh, went to Australia and took it to the Australians, you know, the toughest competition in the world. And we were at a dinner uh, about three, four weeks ago and he was explaining his mentality. And his mentality was, right, And when he first went to Australia, he'd pick out their hardest player and he made sure he put him in his black book and finished him that game. <laughs> and, and, he spent, and the coach then kept asking him, right, who are you putting in your black book this week? And players had come up to him, players had come up to him in his team and say, can you put him in your black book because I don't like him, right? And then he gets better than this. In, in City, he's playing for the Roosters, right? And there's seven teams in Sydney about that. So you bump into each other when you're having a drink and he said, you know, you're a bit guarded in that. But then after a while, you get players from opposition teams coming up and going, will you not put me in your black book? <laughs> so, what a player he was. Yeah. Um, Sam Burgess, next one. Sam Burgess, I, I just think... His just performance in that grand final when he fractured his cheekbone. I, I always knew yeah, he was I. a tough player anyway. And there's, you know, there's different types of player. I, I believe you know with injuries in, in rugby league. There's those who have an injury and don't play. There's those who have an injury and play, but they're a passenger. There's those who get an injury and try their best and want to make the best of the team. And then there's Sam Burgess who fractures his cheekbone in four places, plays 80 minutes in the toughest game, in the biggest game in the world, and wins man of the match. Right. 
uh, special. Yeah, special is a great word for that. Absolutely special. And then final one for a different reason would be the Aussie captain, Darren Lockyer. Uh, for his mental toughness, for his ability, I think for his ability to deliver under pressure, I, I think that's toughness. I, I think and lots of, you know, over four, three, four, five games, we would be on top of the Aussies at the beginning of, you know, the turn of the century. And he would come up with the right play at the right time for them to win. So for me, uh, that ability to do that, I think, defined him as a, as a really tough player for me. You also mentioned Moz there, you know, Adrian Morley um, playing down in Australia. Um, but you you went to Australia as well when you were younger, didn't you? You, uh, I remember you mentioned this as well in the autobiography, that you sort of went down there, learned a bit of rugby league Aussie style, but you uh, you taught them how to drink Bramley style, I think was what you were doing mostly, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? So, yeah, I can say that. I mean, so I got a choice, right? End of 98 season, end, no, end of 97 season, been playing a year in reserves, and Matty Elliott, of course. He says to me, look, you know, you're not quite ready to play at Super League, but too good for the reserves. So I'm going to give you a choice, okay? So you've got a choice. You can go to uh, Dewsbury, Rams on loan, or, or you can go to Wollongong. So I'm like, uh, well, I'm thinking, where's Wollongong? So I said, where's Wollongong? <laughs> it's a, it's a, an hour's drive south of Sydney. Uh, so as you can imagine, <laughs> I've never, I've still never been to Dewsbury, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, tough choice, tough choice. But you know what? The world was a lot different back then. 98, right? The world was just a lot different. You know, it's so much hard to stay in touch with people back then. 98. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, there's not all the world, but I think was a lot bigger back then. And, and I go down there anyway, and I'm playing for the Wollongong University. I'm supposed to get a job um, working on a building site with, with the main sponsor. That's fall through. So it's a difficult time out there. But, you know, in the first two weeks, of going there, we uh, we had a nightclub sponsor called the Glass House, right? And the first night in there, you know, I've been there about a week. I got thrown out. I, I had put this kid on the dance floor. <laughs> 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 they were being Aussies starting with pommies, so I was defending myself, right? Right, and, right, uh, right. That happened. Edward Ward smacked this other lad, and then I got thrown out by the bouncers. And then I argued with a bit with him and said, look, I'm sponsored by these. Can I come back in? And then, like, the chairman of that comes down and go, yeah, you've got to let him back in. So I ended up back in on the <laughs> I had a great time there. Look, you know, a really good time. Uh, I met a great guy, Greg Mackey. You know, Greg Mackey's passed away now from Pansy. He played for Oregon Wolves and Hull. Really nice guy. And it just taught me so much about the mental side of the game, how important it is. I, I learned a lot of technical skills at, at the Bulls. You know, um, from my amateur days about the X's and O's and where to stand and technically how do you defend and how do you attack. But he really showed me the power, you know, being mentally strong and being mentally ready for games. And he passed on all his experience to me. And that helped me massively, you know, really helped me massively because I, I thought to myself, this is where I can get an edge, you know. I'm, 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 I'm mentally pretty tough anyway, but following off, off what he said, I think I can get an edge on the other players here. Uh, following it is, uh, and he wasn't the greatest player, you know. I made a good career out of a talent like myself through, I think, maximizing, you know, the power of the brain. Do you feel like that's something that has evolved, obviously, during your time as playing and and having retired? Um, the way we're able to to open up and discuss it a little bit more, the the mental wellness and and that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think it's huge. I think it has. Um, you know, when, when I come into a dressing room, you know, twenty. 25, 26 years ago to where it's at now is completely different. And I think that ability to say, you know, 
I do need help mentally. I, I am struggling mentally. Uh, you just weren't able to do that back then. No one will, no one would do that. It was just sign, it was seen as a sign of weakness, whereas now it's probably seen as a sign of yeah. strength, being able to have some vulnerability. You know, being comfortable in your own skin to admit there's some things you, you can't quite do, there's some things you haven't quite got. It's a sign of inner strength for me rather than a weakness, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, sports psychologists these days. There's still the occasional kind of scoffing at it. Oh, they bloody paid all this money. What do they need sports psychologists for? But human beings, I think there's an often time, particularly in rugby as well, like, you know, football, they get paid a lot of money and everyone has a lack of sympathy on that level. And in rugby, they're always classed as, oh, they're really supposed to be tough, aren't they? It's There's all these kind of attitudes of it, but we forget human beings at the end of the day. Yeah, no, no amount of money doesn't stop you being human and having feelings, right. does it? You know, I, I, I don't see that. And, you know, no matter how physically tough you are or, or how, much, how courageous you are to accept physical punishment, that doesn't mean that mentally you don't feel things at times. You've seen it all the time with the enforcers in ice hockey, haven't you? Like how much they've struggled, you know, with that ability to just be confrontational all the time and right. mentally what, what that takes away. So I think it's great that we are more open about it. It's great that there is more emphasis placed on your well-being mentally. How's that reflected in, um, because obviously you're both retired now and you go from having such a regimented lifestyle. um, You know, people talk about it with the military when you go back into civilian life, but in terms of the, the, the regimented way in which you live your lives, it is similar. So how have you both sort of taken those approaches to to retiring? I mean, is that hard? Is that really difficult? So, I mean, I know that you even you even came back to playing, didn't you? Whole KR probably reluctantly, I imagine, but, but you did. <laughs> very very reluctantly came back to play again. Yeah. Very very. I, I never once I retired at Rhinos, never wanted to play again. But I did it because I thought there's no other options left for me to try and help the team here. So. I'll play. I mean, for me, I, I, I don't know how you are, Jermaine, but I, I, I was really, really happy about not being in the structure anymore. Towards the back end of my career, I hated it. I hated being told where to be at what time and wasn't able to run my own calendar. So for me, I really enjoyed like the, the spontaneity and uh, the diversity and all of my calendar now. And, you know, it's completely different every week. And I kind of enjoy that. I think for me, I, I don't like... I, I, I can be ultra self-disciplined than I am, but I don't like that discipline around somebody else telling me my routine. Um, yeah. So I've got to break, break free. For me, I think because the decision to retire wasn't mine, wasn't solely my decision, it was based on the recommendation of the doctors, the surgeons to say, look, if you carry on playing, you will have to have a full knee replacement before you're 40. That, that kind of took that decision away from me. So there was initially the first year after retiring, I had some some difficult moments, some difficult times um, because I wanted to carry on playing. Mentally, I wasn't ready to retire. Physically, apart from my, my left knee, I wasn't ready to retire. I still felt really, really good. I still felt super fit. Um, I was actually, uh, towards the end of my career, I feel fitter than I had been in the earlier days because I'd taken it really, really seriously. And I'd, I'd focused, obviously, having, to, having been one of the older players in the squad, you kind of feel like, look, I'm... I've got 18, 19, 20 year olds coming up now and I've got to kind of dig that little bit deeper, but I enjoyed digging that little bit deeper. So when it got to the, t- the point where I had to retire, um, I found that initial period very difficult, but I had to try and replace, find something to replace the schedule that I had. And you touched on there being told what to do, when to be somewhere, when to do something. I had to try and find something to replace that schedule with something else. Um, and that was the that was the the hardest part for me initially. But because we've got Supernova, myself and my missus, 
it kind of gave me another focus and something else I got to structure my life around. And I do all the the dropping the kids to school. I do the after school activities. So I've replaced my my schedule, my structure with something completely different, but it's something that I absolutely love. And again, JP, you touched on um, being super regimented in your thought process, in, in scheduling your days from here on and not really knowing exactly what's going to come week on week, but you enjoy it. You enjoy that spontaneity. I've got that as well with the the television stuff, with the radio stuff, with Supernova, with being a husband, with being a father, with being a, you know, I've got all of these different things that I absolutely love. So I think that's the, the way that I've managed to um, kind of come to terms with with the whole retirement side of things. I know that you've, you're very similar, actually, JP. You've got a load of, load of stuff going on, which I want to talk to you about in a moment. But just before I do, I wanted to, to say one thing to you both and ask you about it, is that, you know, since you've both retired, um, you're both in fantastic shape. Like I, I, you see a lot oh, of thank you. Sport, well, well, you are. We do try, you know. We do try every day in the gym. And you see a lot of sportsmen <laughs> and women, um, you know, who when they retire because they no longer have to, you no longer getting told what to eat, and they're no longer having to go in the gym. They end up sort of, you know, letting themselves go, as it were, and just enjoying life. And why not? Um, and I know that when I when I've had to do that for a job, which is very few and far between, but when I have done, when I finished, <laughs> I just I just I got my hands on everything, every alcohol, every every carb I could find. I just I just I just inhaled it all. Um, but obviously, you guys haven't done that. And, and, and I'm curious, like, is that just something that's just in your makeup? Is it something that you wanted to continue anyway? Or was that quite a challenge actually when you, when you, when you retired, like, oh, I actually can't bother going to the gym today and I don't have to. Did you have to have, did you have to have to fight against those kind of thoughts? For me, right. So when I finished playing 2015, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a real break from training here, like eight to 12 weeks. And it's the worst I ever felt in ages for like eight to 12 weeks. And I thought, what am I doing? You know, I, I actually, I actually like training. I like, you know, I like the feeling of pushing myself. I, I like it when things are difficult. And for me, then, like training almost helped fill a bit of a void for not playing. So for the first, you know, couple of years, I'd always make sure at weekend I do something difficult physically. You know, like a a long run or a big walk bike session or a, a tough crossfit session, just to replicate that challenge at the end of the week. And and for me, it's just. I like it. It's part of what I do. I like it. And I just like being, you know, I like having a good time. You know, I was down at Twickenham uh, last weekend, you know, on an all-day session down there. I have guess round on Friday night, you know, I'm paying the price a bit today. So, I, know but, what, I know what your all-day sessions are like and all, so I know yeah, that's yeah. a joke. <laughs> yeah, so hold on. So basically, Matt, you sent a picture, obviously, to, to the group uh, with the two of you out on a lash on a mad Monday after you won the treble in, in 2015. What's, what's Matty like as a drinking buddy? <laughs> it was great fun on there. It was good fun. You loved that day, didn't you? You remember getting punched in the face with a boxing <laughs> What? I need to know more. Tell me more. <laughs> Who come out was Rocky? Someone come out. Uh, thing it come out as Apollo Creed, uh, Callum Watkins, right? And we had got his boxing gloves and smoke. Remember, I think Cuffbo punched you in the face in slow motion. Cuffbo and Ryan Hall, and we've got it. It was when they just brought out the slow motion on iPhones. Yeah, and so yeah. we're, we're filming in slow motion, just punching each other in the face. And I was like, no, Cuffbo, come on. 
Come on, I know you can punch harder than that. Go on, give it to me. <laughs> he absolutely leathered me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Oh, it's the noise as well. It's that slow motion. <laughs> did you go? Did you go down or did you handle it? Did you handle it? No, the vi- the video is brilliant because it proper it, it hits me. And you can see like there's like a in slow motion like there's a bit of me going, oh Christ, that hurt. But then I just start laughing because he's fi- he's finally absolutely wallop, walloped me. Um, yeah, it's good. We need good to stuff. see footage of that video, please. I've got it, mate. That I've has got, got to get it. sent I've off. Got it. got it. It's got to be sent in. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I've never, I've never given that to anyone, right? I won't, I won't do that to you, Max. It's up to you if you want to put that. In the but I have, I have got two daughters who love Harry Potter and said, "Watch this." What? It was a great evening. I woke up so... I got a brief taste of what it's like waking up after a rugby match. Jesus. Not only was I hungover, but my whole jaw and neck was killing. And I was like, what the hell happened last night until I found this footage on my phone? Jesus. It's a good day, wasn't it? It was when uh, one of the lads was dressed as uh, Anchorman and he was on one of them wheel things, you know, where... That was Cuspo. You were on them... um, Segway. Yeah, yeah, the Segway thing. Segway. And he was at the traffic lights (laughs) on the road. (laughs) Well, okay, enough enough of that before we say something yeah. libelous. Um so um you okay, we're talking about all the stuff you've got going on, Jamie. You know, you've got you you're doing an MBA, is that right? Oh, that's finished now. I've managed to uh, finish that finally, yeah. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. Yes. Uh, it was in yeah, sports administration, yeah. Uh, right, okay. Beckett. Amazing. Um, and you've also got the uh, the Be A Champion wellbeing programme. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. I've got a few things going on. You know, like, uh, the wellbeing stuff is, I started doing wellbeing straight after finishing rugby league and it, I worked with the NHS uh, over in Hull and delivered a programme for 11-year-olds, you know, about Be A Champion, about just, so, uh, just making them to understand that wellbeing is accessible for everyone. You know, I think sometimes... People think well-being is about yoga, eating organic foods and meditating for two hours. It's not about that. It's about making some little changes in your life and that showing these kids from tougher economic backgrounds that, you know, by not using your phones, by eating one healthy snack a day and drinking water and believing in yourself, you can make some changes. And then over time, like just in lockdown, I was out running and I was, you know what, I was out running and I was thinking about well-being and how lots of people were affected with that I was speaking to and I just thought, I had the idea for this, like, be a champion 30-day wellbeing program, create an habit. And I had to sprint home because I had to write it all down in the book, get it out, and then it came out there. And that's just about 30 days, you know, making some little changes, create significant change. And and I think it's been really successful. Some, you know, schools and uh, colleges and people have really bought into it. And it's just a great thing to do, I think, just to see, you know, some of the, the messages you get back from people saying it's just made a really big change in how I feel about life, life in general, which is just, just a good thing to try and do so you know that's really enjoyable for myself and then i just do uh, a little bit of mentoring as well like building champions is a mentoring kind of take what i learned from sport like self-discipline preparation believing in yourself and getting other people to change the ways and create habits. and i know you do a lot of um motivational speaking as well and um in terms of a of a, of a plug and i'm not saying this just because you've come on the show but you know, I've heard you speak before, um, and everyone's listened to you on this show. And you are genuinely, genuinely inspirational. You're incredibly honest. It's funny, and and just to hear that kind of that that adversity that you faced early on, but everything that you've come through and and gone on to achieve. I mean, you talk about when you were coming to Leeds in two thousand five six. You were you were 
one of the best players in the world. You've been Man of Steel. Um, you reached the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Um, and so he- hearing you talk about your, you know, struggling mentally and, and, and the well-being and all that stuff, I just think it, it is so genuinely, we throw that word around, but so genuinely inspirational um, that if anyone is thinking of a motivational speaker, I tell you, here is your man right right now. <laughs> It's really nice that you say that, Wolfie. I mean, for me, I think authenticity is key, right? You've just got to be authentic. And I think just with the talk I deliver, what I try and do is just make people realise that being good is accessible for everybody. You know, like the being self-disciplined or being prepared or going the extra mile, they're all just little decisions everybody can decide to make. And leadership's the same as well. Leadership, you can learn the skill along the way. And I just try and get that point across when I'm trying to speak around that bit. You know, change can be made by you and, and you can improve yourself. It, it's great having talent. We've all got a bit of talent somewhere. How do you maximise that? Make good decisions every day. Create habits. Habits create consistency. Consistency is excellent. So, you know. Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I love that as well. And I love that you were talking about mental strength and um, having focus and, and being disciplined, etc. On that theme, because I'm acutely aware we've talked your ear off for like an hour now and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to let you go. Um, but, we, you know, we, we, we can't have you on here um, without talking about another inspirational uh, man, a fellow Leeds Rhino in, in, in the incredible um, unparalleled Rob Burrow. And I know obviously yourself and particularly Kev, uh, Kev Sinfield's been doing, again, stupid stuff to raise money for Rob. He's ridiculous seven marathons in seven days and all that stuff. But um, I just want to talk about Rob really while we've got you on because it's a great opportunity. And um, tell us about, you know, what made him so special and uh, and how and how what made him special is actually even more inspiring now that he's that he's got MND. I think, yeah, I think you've nailed that there. You know, he's more inspirational now uh, than he ever was as a player, but it was incredibly inspirational as a player. I think just to put into context w- with Rob as a player, so most players who play rugby league, you know, would weigh, you know, 90, 95 kilos, up to 120 kilos, big, big men, you know. But, you know, most people on the street, if we run at you as hard as we cannot tackle you, we'll we put you in hospital there and then. Whereas Rob was smaller than, way smaller than the average man who was, you know, five foot, Four, five foot five and the thing about Rob is he had this talent of great speed and great agility but that talent was an absolute waste of time unless you have you know absolute more courage than any other player because with that speed and agility you have to put yourself in between big men right yeah. who are tired and not every time are you going to get go through I reckon nine out of ten times he got clattered yeah. with Rob but that tenth time that he had the courage to go do it and go through he brought the game open he scored the greatest ever try, you know, in, in a grand final, the biggest game of the year over here through sheer courage, right? And I think that courage people found inspirational and he never shirked anything, never wanted to defend further out, would always give his all in a game. But then I think just the is the way that he's tackled MND is just unbelievable. The 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 positivity that he's shown, um, the refusal to bow down to it. Uh, just, just the sheer optimism, I think, is shown with that. And I'm sure he, he does have dark moments within there. We don't get to see those. But I just think in uh, in really challenging times, so let's go back to March 2019, we all went down into lockdown, right? We're all f***ed off, you know, can't come out of our houses. I'll give you the context for Rob. Rob was about to go have treatment in Israel or America that would probably prolong on his life and was unable to travel, right? And then because his disease has progressed so far, he's been unable to receive that since. Have you ever, ever heard him moan about that? Not, not one Never thing has ever, ever oh, been no. said about that. By, I mean, most uh, people won't even know anything about it. 
No, exactly. And, you know, I knew about that. And I, I, and I found lockdown hard. But then I just thought, what am I doing? You know, this right. guy here is fighting for his life. He's had an opportunity taken to extend his life so he can spend more time with his three kids and his wife and his family. Mm. And he hasn't said an absolute word. So I think Rob, is a, I think he's just a shining beacon to give us all context in just what has been uh, a difficult time for lots and lots of people. But the, what he's gone through has just been incredible. And the way he's approached it, mate, it was funny as a player. Like, he was just a, fu- he's a funny bloke. You, you know him, Matt. He's got great <laughs> sense of humor. Great, he's got great timing. And we'll just say whatever he thinks that so comes into his brain, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it was, just, it was amazing to have around the dressing room. But also what he was really good at now, when I look back, was his ability to bring a young lad into the dressing room and make him feel welcome and make right. him feel part of the group. And I think he was the best at the club at doing that. And I think he's one of the reasons we were successful, not only because of his talent, uh, but, but because of his humour, because of his spirit and because of his ability to bring young players into the team, make them feel welcome. And then mm-hmm. they'd to the team. You know, great guy. What a guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've summed it up there. I mean, you know, obviously you know him better than most people, um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, what a what an absolute star. It's been such a privilege well, to know him in general, but but particularly to to watch every, you know the way he's he's coped with all this has just been it's really been awe inspiring uh, for the last couple of years for sure. Well, uh, I guess all that's left is to say thank you so much, Jamie. That was much appreciated. That was fantastic. Can I say thanks for letting me on the show? I mean, it just uh, it's flown by us that time. I've been on loads of podcasts, and when you get asked good questions, it goes quickly. So you guys have asked great questions; it's gone really quickly. We've left so much on the table as well. We've just <laughs> run out of time, unfortunately. But um, but I no doubt we'll, we'll we'll get you on again at some point in the future. Um, I guess there's only one question left. What are you hoping for Leeds United for the rest of the season? I hope they do what they did last year. You know, towards the back end of last year, they got a run together, didn't they? They found some form. And I think they can do the same again here this year. I, I think they'll keep marching up the table. And I think if they can get into that mid-table, get some more security, build again next year. And I just want them to keep in the Premiership, keep Bielsa there and build a little bit each year so then we can get to that point where we can get back in Europe and then we get that big stadium and, and keep the team uh, one that the city can be really, really, really proud of. Uh, so, yeah, I think Legion, that's where I see Legion United going. I, I, I know for sure the results will improve and, and they'll get into that mid-table and, and maybe challenge it. One may continue being in the Premiership. You know, I'm from Rugby League, but I think it's just great for the city to have them in there. 100%. Fantastic. Ledge, mate. Thank you so much for coming on, man. You've been in- incredible. Yes, thank you again, lads, for having me on. Um, well, a huge thank you to, to, to JP for joining us this week. That was a that was a really nice, really nice chat. Um, I think you'll agree with yeah, that, Bex. Yeah, absolutely. And we've also got Pat back next week. So get your what's that Pat questions in. About bloody time. I know, I know. I've almost forgotten what he looks like. Not even been playing the lazy bugger. I bet he's not had a haircut. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I bet it is, isn't it? It's a very big barnet he's got. (laughs) It's going to be massive. Absolutely massive. Well, guys, girls, thanks as always to our partners, Boost Drinks. And on that note, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Tally ho. Peace. We are so